Good evening. Uh, today is June 27th, and we're studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter, we're in the doctor's opinion, and our speaker tonight is Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Hi, everybody. I'm Aaron. I am a compulsive overeater. Thank you, Heidi, for harassing me, uh, for <laughs> inviting me to come and speak. I really appreciate the opportunity to be of service. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the doctor's opinion. Um, it is actually my favorite part of the big book, and it's the part of the program that I think is the easiest for us to wander away from, especially because weight and body issues are things that are talked about by people who are not compulsive overeaters. And there's a lot of information in the world about tips and tricks and tactics and techniques that you might use in regards to food that are pretty much useless to a compulsive overeater. They don't work. They don't give the results people tell you they're going to give. And the reason for that is, is covered in the doctor's opinion. And then numerous examples of that are provided throughout the rest of the book. Um, when I read the doctor's opinion, the I, I'm just going to go ahead and give everybody a preview because it's one of the readings I think we're going to do, but it, people drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks. So what does that look like? Well, here's the story that I like to tell. I was, in a, I was abstinent. It was still within my uh, first year or so. And a family friend, unfortunately, had her mother arrested in front of her. She was a young woman. She was about 18 years old. And she lived, a, I want to say, a quarter of a mile away. She came over to my family's house to sit with people and, and, you know, try to figure out what to do next. And when she knocked on the front door, she was holding an ice cream cone, one of these ones you can get out of the store. And it had exactly one bite taken out of it. Now, that store, I know where the store is. The store is one block away from the front door, taking the road she would have taken to get there. And my first thought was, the only way that has one bite taken out of it is, it, is it, it is the third ice cream cone in my world. There is zero chance that ice cream cone shows up at that door with only one bite taken out of it. It's just not going to happen because I like the effect ice cream has on me. It produces an effect, but it doesn't see. I want to make it clear. You have to, you have to see this. A normal, non-compulsive eater will go to food in a time of stress and they will take one bite of it and something inside of them will say, no, that doesn't work and go look for something else. A compulsive overeater will go to food in times of stress and get lost in it. They will not come back out. The other, the other anecdote or the other joke I'd like to say is picture an alcoholic being told to deal with stress the way people who are compulsive overeaters deal with it. You, you could put ice cream or, or, or 
or donuts or anything you like in front of an alcoholic, they'll take a few bites and go, this is stupid. I'm going to go get drunk. Why am I, why am I wasting my time? <laughs> this thing does not do it for me. Um, we have a unique reaction, I believe. I have a re unique reaction as a compulsive overeater. I have a unique reaction to sugar. It is analogous to the unique reaction that somebody, I, it, it's analogous for me to, to the unique reaction I have to shellfish. When I eat shellfish, I develop welts across my torso and my heart begins to race. And I will continue in that condition for about eight hours, and then it'll all kind of die down, go away. And I've been told other people don't have that reaction to shellfish. That's not a normal thing. If it were normal, we would not sell shellfish in restaurants. I don't think they, they wouldn't make any money. Um, I happen to have this condition. So I eat a thing and my body reacts to it in a strange way. I also react to sugar in a strange way. When I eat it, it absorbs all of my thoughts and it becomes something that I must continue to get more of. I simply cannot relax. I am incapable of relaxing once that stuff is in my blood system. I have had the, I, I have had the experience of taking a bite of something with sugar in it while I was abstinent that I didn't know. And my brain instantly said, I know what that was. And I had to take the thing that the person had given me and immediately throw it away and explain to them, do not ever give me anything that has sugar in it. You know, I really appreciate the offer, but if it has sugar in it, you have to tell me. Um, I once asked a, a relative of mine to drink something. I said, drink this. It's really tasty. They said, what's in it? And I said, just, just drink it. Trust me. They're like, you have to tell me what's in it. And I said, it's a coconut thing. And she goes, so I'm allergic to coconut. You cannot give me things without telling me what's in them. And I've learned that I'm the same way. You cannot, you cannot ask me to taste something or eat something if I don't know what's in it. So there's a place in here where it says, um, the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as their mind. Uh, it, does not, it, it did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life or that we were in full flight from reality or were outright mental defectives. These things were true to some extent, in fact, to a considerable extent with some of us, but we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. So I like to, I like to hammer this point home for myself and for other people. I had, um, I had a fellow that I heard sharing and they said, you know, oh, I, I am back at day one. And I said, so what happened last night? And they said, I just let my mindset I just let myself get into a bad mindset. Really, I really have to set myself up. It's after dinner. It's late at night. I really have to set myself up for success. And I, I asked them, if you were deathly allergic to bees and you saw a bee, how much preparation do you need before you run away from it? How much time do you need to spend meditating? How many prayers do you have to say before you just get away from the bee? People who are allergic to peanuts, if they smell peanuts in the air, immediately turn in the other direction. And the big book talks about we, we learn to recoil from the addictive substance like we would from a hot flame. So we've got this weird thing going on with food. We, when we get the food into our system, we become obsessed about it. We become, we need to have more of it. 
The obsession's a hard thing to talk about because a lot of the language we use to talk about food sometimes comes out in the form of, I mean, I, I hear people saying, I loved food. I did not love food. I can tell you the number of times that I put food in my mouth, chewed it and swallowed it while saying to myself, just stop, just stop, just stop. I just, just, what are you doing? Just stop. Like, just don't do this anymore. And I couldn't, I did not love food. I did not eat food because I was hungry. I ate it because I could not stop. Um, it says at the top of triple X, <laughs> sorry, my sponsor says you have to start reading the book at the front and the book starts where the little letters are, not where the numbers are. That's why I laugh. But it says at the top of page triple X, these men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. Uh, how many times have you said to yourself, I'm just going to binge until I burn out the circuit? I cannot burn out the circuit. It's one of the strongest circuits I know. <laughs> I have never actually been able to blow this fuse. Uh, it can take a lot of punishment. It took me uh, almost up to 300 pounds in my life. Uh, it's, a, it's a very strong circuit. Um, and there is a type of man who is unwilling to admit that he cannot take a drink. He plans various ways of drinking. You know, he changes his brand or his environment. Um, there is the type who always believes that after being entirely free from alcohol for a period of time, he can take a drink without danger. And again, I can't burn out the circuit and the circuit kind of stay. I, I'm kind of, I don't know how many people have ever heard of like drug addicts. They say one of the dangerous things about relapse for a drug addict is they think after a while that they could go right back to using the way they used to use. That one of the biggest dangers for the drug overdose is that uh, you lose the tolerance, but then you try to go back and give yourself the same dose you used to, and it actually hits you too hard. Um, 10 minutes. Thank you, John. I'm, I'm kind of the same. I, if I start eating again, I will go back to eating the way I did. And quite frankly, my body's not set up for it. I mean, I have seen people who go out of this, these rooms. I've seen people who, who relapse after losing a hundred pounds and they go, they gain it back surprisingly quickly. Uh, faster than I actually thought it was humanly possible. Um, so we use, uh, I use this language and I always think about this. My story was I kept going back to the food and I couldn't tell why. And I remember being a very young child. And I remember like the first birthday party I ever went to. And I was very excited to go to a birthday party. I'd heard a lot about them. They sounded like a great time. And I running around with the kids and, and enjoying the park and enjoying the games. And then they took us to a table and they sat us down and they gave us cake and ice cream. And the other kids ate maybe half, three quarters, maybe all of their cake and ice cream. And they could not wait to get back on their feet and go running again. And I didn't want to leave that table. I had no desire to get up and go play again. And so when I experience food, a lot of problems in life start being really unimportant to me. And that sets me up for a really bad kind of situation. It, sets, it means that I walk around in life with a place that I could stash things that other people can't stash. Other people cannot or do not achieve the same kind of mindless comfort from food that I do. That's why they say, why don't you just stop when you're full? I'm like, if I, if I knew I was full, I'd stop. I don't know. 
Um, also, I mean, once you're full, you might as well keep going. You're already full. You've obviously already eaten more than you were supposed to. You might as well make a day of it. Uh, <laughs> you know, my I, I've I've recently been been sitting with memories of like, I better hurry up and eat that so that I don't have leftovers later, so I can go have a full meal. Right, eating eating through something because I wanna I wanna restock sooner. Um, addict behavior. So. I've got this thing. So I remember uh, watching one of this, these great conversations between an old timer and somebody who'd relapsed. And uh, the old timer said, uh, what happened? And the, re and, and, or says, the old timer said, why did you eat? And the person in relapse said, well, I took my will back. Old timer said, you probably, probably did take your will back, but that's not why you ate. Why did you eat? And the person said, well, I, I failed to turn it over to my higher power. I failed to really surrender to God. And you probably didn't turn it over to your higher power, but why did you, but that's not why you ate. Why did you eat? And the person says, well, I, I really, you know, I let my family get to me, right? They know where all the buttons are. They installed them. I, I probably shouldn't have let them get to me. Should have, should have just accepted them for who they are. He says, you probably should have accepted your family, but that's not why you ate. Why did you eat? And the re person of relapse, not known for their patience, gets upset and says, uh, Okay, fine. Why did I eat? And the guy just looks at because you're a compulsive overeater. If if you were a heroin addict, you would have done heroin. If you were a drinker, you would have drank. If you were addicted to exercise, you would have gone for a run. You're you are a compulsive overeater. It, it came with us. You're born that way. And now it gets to the point where a lot of times it, it, you have to deal with with that. You have to deal with the fact that you've got you know you, you most of us I. I I don't see a lot of 20 year olds in OA. I didn't get to OA till I was 33. Because again, I had a lot of people telling me a lot of different ways I could control my weight and I could control my eating. By the time I got here, I really had to just accept that I was different around food. And I was, you know, at 33, I had plenty of evidence. My sponsor said to me, you got to make a list of alcoholic foods. And he said, the, what, what defines an alcoholic food is a food that once you start eating, you cannot stop. And he said, so take a week and come back with a list. And I said, I don't need a week to come up with that list. It's gummy bears, sourdough bread, white rice, pizza. Like I just rattled off 10 things. Worst, worst smart ass comment I ever made in my life. Uh, <laughs> he said, you put those on a piece of paper or you put those in an email and send them to me and that'll become the start of your food plan. And I said, okay. So I put those things on the paper and I sent it to him. And then this thing happened. I stopped eating those things. I actually stopped drinking sugar soda without telling my sponsor because I knew that if I started on the blood sugar roller coaster, I wasn't going to get off it. I did all recreational sugar was not on my, my plan. Thank you, John, on my plan in the beginning. So I stopped eating these things and this weird thing started happening. I suddenly had to live life like a normal person. I suddenly had to live life without a place to stash the stuff that was bothering me. I suddenly had to learn why those things bothered me. I got robbed of probably my favorite thing in the world, which was accusing anybody who, was being, who wasn't doing what I wanted of being mean to me because I was fat. Loved that trick. Loved calling people selfish and shallow and, and telling them they were judgmental. I was so good at that. I lost that. I, I had to start doing what every other person had done around me in elementary school and grade school and junior high and high school, which was just deal with the fact that life doesn't go my way a lot of the time. 
So to me, the doctor's opinion helps me understand. We we have so much language. I I I could have geeked out eternally on on what God is or what God isn't. I could have I could really I was a humanities student, man. I'll get I'll get in there with you and start quoting famous poets about what it what what is you know what is good, what is bad, what is truth. But the fact of the matter is, what I needed was to be told that I had an illness. And do we want to stop that particular screen share? Um, I had to be told that I had an illness and that there was a prescription for dealing with that illness. So the last thing that I'll, I'll share, because I, I absolutely love it, is this idea, the doctor's opinion gave me a way to understand what it means when we say we were powerless over food. Because I think I've heard it. I've, I've heard others say it, and I'm sure everybody else here has too. Like, I don't like this idea of walking around saying I'm broken. I don't like this idea of walking. My favorite thing is when someone says that to me and they're wearing glasses. I just, it makes it so simple to say, do you put on, do, can you will your eyes to suddenly focus at 20-20 vision? No. Okay. You're powerless over your eyes. That's the level of powerlessness we're talking about. So the doctor's opinion gave me this real clear recipe. You are, you, Aaron, are a compulsive overeater. When you eat certain foods, you are, you become, you, you experience an allergic reaction. That allergic reaction is actually a comfortable distraction from the unpleasant parts of your life. And your life has just kind of been going on without you for a significant period of time, making you feel like something went terribly wrong which makes you uncomfortable and you'd rather just keep eating than face that. If you stop eating the foods that you have a problem with, the doctor's opinion tells me, then you get to live like someone who has no problem with food. It goes away. The rest of it gets relieved. And that's why I love it because the, we, we deal in a program that, that it's three legs of the stool. There's a, the, a physical allergy that has led to a mental obsession that has resulted in a spiritual gap in my life. And because of that spiritual gap, I seek comfort in the thing that drives me back into the physical addiction, which gives me a mental obsession. I keep going around and around and around, and you got to break that somehow. You got to figure out how to get out of that somewhere. Most, most I got out of it because I literally got to the point where I was ready to leave the planet voluntarily. And I said to myself, well, that, you know, somewhere in the book, it says it, that's a last straw matter. And I hadn't drawn the last straw. So I came to a 12 step program because I really did used to sit around all the time. I would hold the folds of fat on my body. I would, I would, I would talk to God and I would say, what did I do that was so wrong that I got sentenced to a life like this? Tell me, tell me what I did. How long is the sentence going to last? What is the penance? What can I do to make up for it? And the fact was, I just, I really felt completely helpless and trapped. And I couldn't figure out how to engage in my life. And I needed to be told that I was basically crippling my brain with an addictive cycle. And all I had to do was stop going to the addictive substance. And the big book says men and women drink because, you know, like the effect alcohol has, and we keep seeing everyone else do it with impunity. We see other people 
stop and get that ice cream cone. And we say, why them and not us? But what I have to remind myself is they take that one bite and it doesn't do it. Fine. Thank you, Joanne. They take that one bite and it doesn't do it. So they're not getting away with something. You are. Every time you go to the food, you're the one who's getting away with it by not dealing with your life. So if you want you, you walk in their shoes for a minute and say, what if I don't get to put everything in this bite and I have to actually stay here with my life for a minute? Then you really are like everybody else who doesn't have compulsive overeating. And that's what I get out of the doctor's opinion. Thank you all very much for letting me share. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, we're now going to open the meeting for questions or three-minute shares. As this is a big book study meeting, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share, ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or nine, star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. All right, timekeeper. Would you please give us three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If someone asks the speaker a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, and uh, to start us off, we're gonna have Susan followed by Amy B. Was I not, was I muted? I'm Susan, new to OA um, uh, for a week. And I'm in that pink cloud face, which is pretty exciting. Can I respond to the lead or only to the big book? To the lead, yes. What a terrific lead. And for me, it was a first step um, lead and I needed, and probably will for a long time, a first step lead. So thank you so much. Um, I, when I was a kid, you know, I would eat, way too much of sugary substances, but I stayed thin. So I didn't think about it. Same thing through high school and college. Um, eventually I recognized I had a problem with alcohol because I switched to alcohol. I thought it was more sophisticated than all the sugary stuff I was overeating. You know, eventually I'm an addict. Eventually that was a problem. I ended up um, at 32 in a program. One of the first, I said something in the, in the first, one of the first meetings about, um, you know, the real problem. My first addiction was sugar and some old guy afterwards said, I never got stopped by a cop for eating a whole sugary substance. <laughs> so I realized very quickly, can't talk about it. And I'm 68 and that's how long it has gotten me to get here. I certainly didn't stay thin when I was justifying it. But um, I'm an addict, you know, and I just couldn't stop. And I kept thinking it, the other program would help me. And I actually would have some periods of abstinence from sugar. And then I, because I'm a uh, compulsive overeater, right back there, the relapse and, you know, more, more pounds, more unhappiness. So anyway, I am so, so grateful to be here. I hope I stay in my pink cloud a little bit longer. I've made a commitment to 90 and 90. And um, so I've done that so far, actually a few more than one, uh, one day. And I love this meeting, so I'll be back. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, next, we've got Amy B. followed by Lauren. Good evening, family. My name is Amy B. and I am a compulsive overeater, um, a really grateful compulsive overeater here tonight because um, 
I'm just really grateful to have been here for the lead. And also, I, I just have to note, really grateful for um, our common welfare being protected by the service in this meeting. Thank you so much to our Zoom host for uh, acting quickly to uh, protect our space for um, all of us, for our newcomers, for, you know, the shares. Um, Aaron, I, I was incredibly moved um, by your really thorough and thoughtful and honest um, share on the doctor's opinion, which I love, love, love. The first thing that struck me really deeply was talking about the circuitry that you think you're going to burn out with the big binge. Um, I, I immediately was like, no, no, it's like one of those um, cells where the more you drive it, the more charged it gets. Like it works in exactly the opposite way. And I'd never heard it like that. Oh, and like the bee, like if you know you're allergic to bees, you run away like, oh, fantastic. I'm stealing both of those. Thank you so much. Um, sharing, passing on, continuing to tomato, tomato. Um, and then the other thing, um, the when you spoke about what have I done wrong? What's my penance? How long will it last? And the truth is, is that just like I try desperately to control that which I am powerless over with regards to my alcoholic foods and behaviors. I exert that same desperate level of trying to control filling that empty hole. And I'm powerless over that too. I need a power greater than myself. Um, once again, thank you so much. I'm so grateful um, to have been here tonight, to be here with all of you. Welcome to the newcomers and uh, looking to hit forward to hearing what other folks have to say. I pass. Thanks, Amy. Uh, next, we've got Lauren and then Victoria. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for um, leading this meeting, for speaking. Um, everyone, thank you, Aaron, for your wonderful, wonderful synopsis of the doctor's opinion. That also is my favorite part of the book. Uh, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect, the effect produced by alcohol. Wow, that is where I live. And that is my, that tells my story. Men and wing, women drink essentially. Well, uh, me, I drink, I eat essentially because I like the effect produced. When I'm full, I love it. When I'm full of sugar, I love it. When I'm, and when I start, sugar I don't know when I can stop sugar and that's the most incredible part I am on my 80th day today back from a almost two-year relapse and I am so grateful to be back in the rooms and know that I have a place that I belong and the place is with you guys and with all my fellows. And thank you so much for being here. I'll be back.
Thanks, Lauren. Next, we've got Victoria, and then I'm putting myself in the lineup. Hey, everybody. I'm Victoria W. I'm a recover compulsive overeater in Florida. It's really great to be here. Um, oof, I, you know, I'll be honest. I was like, so I've been in the program a little over three, three and a half. Yeah, three and a half years. And it's weird because shockingly I like to think I know a lot about that was before any <laughs> that's that's not even just to do with OA that's just like with everything I think I like to I like to think I know everything um and I was like oh I want to go to the meeting tonight what's the topic the doctor's opinion oh I don't know if that's like I want to I'm I'm feeling something more spiritual, not, you know, as logistical. And I was like, whatever, Victoria, you're being ridiculous. So I am here, but also I just think it's so important because without the problem that the doctor's opinion lays out, there is no reason that I need to be here. I'm not saying that the things in this book would not make me a more altruistic person, a more spiritual person, a kinder person without that, but I would be saving a lot of time every week. I would be, you know, living life on victorious terms, not trying to accept it on life's terms. Um, and I just think it's so crucial to not only under, you know, have that understanding of compulsive reading as a whole, but also for each individual person. Um, and I really love the examples shared by the speaker. Um, for example, you know, I like I don't have issues with fruits but pineapple for some reason it makes my tongue swell up it hurts I like the taste of it but very soon afterwards I'm uncomfortable it's not closing my throat up I'm not dying occasionally I'll be like oh I could have like a small piece whatever but then my tongue starts to itch and my brain is like you don't want to eat any more of this and I when I think about that it is so funny how I'm like yeah there's about 80 other foods that that never, ever happens, even though, oh, you're going to be sick from work tomorrow. You're not going to be able to see when you wake up because your blood sugar is going to be so high. You're going to, you know, you're going to use so much insulin tonight that you're going to be afraid to go to sleep. Like even no matter how many times that those things happen, um, I could not remember them. They could not scare me. And so I particularly also love the thing about the bees. Like I've just got to build up this really important mental defense it's like no I don't have that <laughs> I don't have that I don't have that um and yeah just accepting that in the way that like I have brown hair I used to want to be blonde when I was growing up in like rural North Carolina and everybody else was blonde and that didn't change anything right like yeah thanks I'm gonna wrap up with this um and I just think it's so important that when I accept this as as part of my description of you know my physical makeup on paper that's when the healing can begin so thank you for letting me share and I will pass I'm going to take my turn and then it will be Jill um and Erin uh thank you so much just laying it out so directly what I heard tonight um was the place that I had to stash things and that I, I did walk around asleep, numbed out. And um, I did not 
hear the truth and the doctor's opinion at first when I came into the rooms and continued to fight and do crazy stuff in the rooms, trying, trying somehow desperately not to be a compulsive overeater or trying to have some control or power over this. And when someone in whom the problem had been solved took me through the doctor's opinion and they're like, uh, this is what happens in my body. And I was able to see that I had been using food, like using food. I am a food addict. I've used food since I was five, but even in the rooms, it took somebody to take me line by line through the doctor's opinion and to, and hold my hand and say, now we're going to look at this. And now we're going to look at this. And now we're going to look at this. And I am so grateful because without putting down those alcoholic substances, I'm, I'm, I'm asleep. I'm numbed out. I'm fighting on my own power and, and none of it works. And it is my higher power. And yes, and, and the spiritual part of this program is, it has made life beautiful beyond my imagination. But Aaron, I needed to hear this tonight because the, the humility in, in saying, I haven't hurt myself with food in over two and a half years. And I haven't felt the need to hurt myself with food in over two and a half years. But guess what? I still have to figure out how to live. Because just like you said, Aaron, while other folks were out there learning how to be people at various stages of life, I was using this nifty tool that I had of stuffing food in my mouth to turn off pain. And so I needed to hear that tonight. And I am so glad to hear it tonight. And I am so glad, as uncomfortable as it is to learn to be a person, I'm so glad to have these steps and I am so glad to be awake and I am glad that I don't ever have to be asleep again like that if I keep working this program. And I'm just so grateful for everybody here on this meeting because I can't do it without you. Um, so thank you so much, Erin, and thanks for everybody here. Um, and now we'll go to Jill. <laughs> 